0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into another episode of the swamp two, four, seven podcast. My name is Jacob Rudner alongside a very smiley Graham Hall. Uh, Graham, we are on a roll. We're talking position groups. We've been doing it now for a couple of days uh, and we're, we're pretty deep into this. We are now at the wide receiver position group and just to recap we've done quarterback running back tight end special teams and offensive line Uh, make sure you go check those out on our youtube page and up on the site at swamp247.com but Graham let's talk wideouts. it's an interesting room Uh, a position group that Billy Napier on several occasions has singled out as potentially being you know thinner in depth uh, lacking potential playmakers and experience they go out they get Arizona State transfer Ricky Pearsall And it sounds like the outlook on the unit has kind of evolved between the spring and where we're at now, just a couple of days before Florida season starts. We're recording this on Monday, August 29th. My first question to you is, where is this position group at? It feels like we've kind of been on two very different ends of the spectrum as far as its progress so far.
1: Yeah, it's been, I think, a little bit difficult to get a sense of how talented this unit is right now because you've had multiple guys that have been dealing with some ailments throughout fall camp. You have a new addition in the room who one of those guys who's been sidelined, and and Ricky Pearsall, who looked really good through Florida's first four fall practices. He suffered that bone bruise, a pair of bone bruises on his left foot. A week into camp and misses two more weeks and returns very late there as a a limited participant initially, but did get back at the very end of camp. Billy Napier does believe that he's going to be kind of full steam ahead moving forward, but how limited he is by that, I think, is another question. Same thing with Justin Shorter, a guy who was dealing with an ailment at the end of fall camp, and Jamarcus Weston as well. That's three guys right there that I think were going to be a big part of the rotation. And the question, I think, again, kind of turns to what it was before Pearsall got on campus, and that is how good are those guys behind him? Trent Whittemore has flashed, I think, a lot of really intriguing stuff. He has good hands, has worked well in the slot as well, but he really has kind of Dealt with two injuries that have made it tough to, I think, count on him to give you 13 full games. And that really led to why they wanted to go out there and get a guy like Ricky to come into this unit. And then you have a couple other guys in Jaquavion, Frazier's, and Dejon Reynolds, Marcus Burke, guys with a lot of potential former four star guys by 247 Sports who really haven't had the on field opportunities that I think a lot of people would like from them. And so it, again, makes it hard to count on them. So you really saw this team go out there and get a guy in Ricky Pearsall and, again, another Juco guy in Ty uh, Chucky Bowman, two guys that they think are going to contribute a lot this year because they really couldn't, I think, bank on the improvements being made by the guys who are here in the building. Sure. What
0: I guess what's interesting to me right now with this unit is that, it, like you said, I think there's a lot of unknown, especially with its personnel. You're talking about a guy in Justin Shorter who many people, I think, fairly feel – as though he hasn't totally reached his potential in terms of what he, like as you said, uh, was rated as a high school player. So that's, you know, a factor. Uh, You have a guy like Trent Whittemore, where I think people think that there's more that he can do, especially given his frame and, you know, athleticism. Uh, And and then there's a lot of unknown, as you said. I think that it's a group where, uh, you know, if you're talking about counting on production, I don't know that there are a ton of guys, like you said, that you can comfortably say – He's going to produce and name a couple more people. I think that Florida is reliant uh, on guys who have either never played for the program before or guys who have very limited experience. And I think that that goes back to why Billy Napier, who really doesn't say things like this very often, was very open and honest that he felt that the receiver room needed to do a lot of work. I think a lot of that is because the, you know there just aren't a lot of answers. There isn't a lot of history with the people in the room. And uh, it it brings me to the first person I want to talk about, and that is newcomer Ricky Pearsall. Uh, Was successful at Arizona State, led the team in pretty much every significant uh, receiving category in 2021, but again, is a guy who has not played nearly at the SEC level before. And this is a guy now who sounds like he could be entering the season, ranked among Florida's top, you know, one, two, maybe three receivers, and that's a pretty big responsibility for somebody who has no experience. What What are your thoughts on him and, and, and just the addition and how much it impacts this wide receiver room?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people had some hesitant opinions of Ricky when he was labeled this highly sought-after target. You hear Arizona State, and you wonder, kind of like what you just said, Jacob, if this guy's going to be able to come in and compete Week in and week out against the likes of LSU, Georgia, Texas A&M, you name it. The SEC opponents on Florida's roster, I think that was a huge question mark for a lot of people. And the hype instantly grew when it came to him getting the number one jersey before he ever even was in an official practice setting at Florida. And I think a lot of people took that as a sign of maybe his possible talent level, yes, but maybe even favoritism, knowing that Billy Napier and some of the guys who were at Arizona State were already familiar with what he brought to the table from a recruiting standpoint. They had evaluated his film, had a previous relationship. I think that it was a little bit, there were certainly questions, let me say that, but getting a sense of him, what he brings to the table through fall camp, excuse me, has alleviated, I think, a lot of those issues I think that the optimistic perspective is that this is the guy who was able to perform in Arizona state's offense when it really was not set up for him to be successful. And regardless of that, he was able to be productive and have success now with a full fall camp and, and with coaches that are kind of trying to maximize his talent level and what he brings to the table. Florida's coaching staff is, is convinced that this is the guy who has yet to perform at a rate that, like I said, he's capable of. And from what we heard initially into fall camp and even when he returned that was the case he was standing out at wide receiver he was p- performing consistently at a high rate impressing guys with his not only his maturity but his approach to each individual practice and I think the big question right now and this is where I'll turn it back to you the big question right now is how healthy is Ricky Pearsall? heading into the season opener we heard initially that this is going to be a week to week type thing in a sense here really weren't given an official timeline from florida and after he returned 2 weeks after that injury i think there were some questions that uh, came back up whether he would be able to be a full participant going into that utah game and in my mind that's something is that still remains to be seen it's a question that i think we'll have answered here as they get into a practice schedule but thinking that he's going to be fully back and his usual self against the Utes is not something that I'm really convinced of quite yet.
0: Sure. I, I mean, just to, to speak to that a little bit, I think everything that I've heard at the moment uh, is that Ricky Pearsall should be you know fully ready to go by the time Florida takes the field on September 3rd against Utah, which is great. And and I think, you know, Florida, like you said, really needs this guy to be healthy and to, to be capable of, of actually potentially being the team's number one uh, receiver. And and you know, again, whether, Florida wanted to recognize it or not, they did stick number one on him. And, and, you know, we don't know if Billy Napier believes in the whole number one is your best player uh, theme that, that has occurred at Florida over the years. But certainly it means something to the fans and to some of the players on the team. And, and he had to have at least known that. Um, as somebody who watched Ricky Pearsall quite a bit, I, for those of you who don't know, I, I spent the last three years covering Arizona State. where right? I watched Ricky Pearsall's entire career to this point unfold. Um, this is a guy who I think is is certainly capable of, of being a competitor at the SEC level. I think that he's the kind of guy who uh, is so technically good that it makes him uh, elevate his level of competition that maybe his athleticism doesn't allow him to reach uh, just naturally. Um, and, and for that reason, I think that he's kind of one of those types of players who should be able to at least reasonably compete at this type of a level simply because he's going to do the right things when he needs to do them to put himself in an advantageous situation. And that's something that I said when Florida first got him back in May. Uh, it, it's something that I think has stood out to coaches and teammates uh, since he joined the program and has been, from what I've heard, completely dominant when he was healthy uh, in fall camp. And it sounds like a lot of what's enabled that is his ability, again, to be uh, very technically sound. Uh, you know, obviously he is an athletic player and and, and when you Combined those two things, it it turns into something that's very productive. Uh, Talk about another person who's extremely athletic and potentially hasn't unlocked everything that people think he's capable of. Let's talk about Justin Shorter. Uh, This is a guy who I think a lot of Florida fans think is right there uh, with Pearsall in the conversation for Florida's most potent uh, wide receiver this season. Uh, I'm certain you at least feel that way uh, to a degree. What do you think Justin Justin Shorter is, is capable of? Where, where should the expectations be uh, for a guy who is now an experienced college football player and, and who really does have the ability to kind of explode after fans have seen some good stuff, but maybe not everything that they're hoping for?
1: Yeah, I think that reasonable expectations are, is this is going to be a guy who can consistently get open, use his body to creates separation and he's improved in a lot of ways catching the ball at its highest point using that six foot four frame to out muscle his defender and as like I said to get in position to not just make the catch but continue after the catch awareness on the field has improved my big question with him is if is if he's able to be that deep threat and have the breakaway speed breakaway playability that they're looking for him to, to have in this offense as your primary target, you want to be able to draw multiple defenders here. And I I don't know if that's something he has really shown right now because he has had guys alongside him every single year, whether it's a pass catching tight end in Kamora Gamble or Jacob Copeland last year who caught the same amount of passes as him, but was able to, like I said, have a few more receiving yards. I think that with Justin Shorter, he really hasn't proven that he can be a number one wide receiver just yet, but I do think that he's capable of doing it. He just has to put it all together. He's consistently worked on his hands. He has spent time in the off season doing that. His footwork has improved since he's got to campus. I've heard that he's gotten even faster this season here working with Tiger. So I think that if he can put that all together, like I said, he has a chance to elevate his game, but one of the problems with Shorter, and this is nothing he can control, is that he's always going to have that number one wide receiver as a recruit label on him, where people are expecting him to go out here and be this dominant presence who's going to have a 1,000-yard season. I don't know if he's ever capable of that, but is he capable of leading the way for Florida? Absolutely.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting point. I I think the, the thing that makes this wide receiver room particularly interesting to me is that, yes, a guy like Justin Shorter could go into the season with a tag of being the number one guy in the room. And, and everybody knows how that, you know, it, it, some people will try and play it down. But the reality is, is that opposing teams are aware of that kind of a label. Uh, opposing teams pay attention to those kinds of things. And the byproduct is that, you know, you have that number one label, you're going to get the, the best of coverage against you. And it makes it difficult to really show off, uh, you know, your your, your, your whole skill set when you're constantly being, Uh, stuck against, you know, the best of the best. And there are, by the way, there are people who would say that that uh, in and of itself is a negative for Justin Shorter, that he can't elevate to the level of competition he's required to face. I would caution you. Uh, I I, I think that there is a reality in which it's very difficult to have to contend with either extra coverage or, you know, a team's number one corner every single week it, it, that is exhausting. And especially when you have to deal with, you know, inconsistencies at the quarterbacking position, like he had to last year, it, it, it presents a lot of challenges that I think that are, are, like you said, not on him. What I find fascinating is that this year, I think, especially with Ricky Pearsall, uh, with a guy like Trent Whittemore, where there are questions and reasonable ones about who's going to be the most potent receiver in the room, uh, where, where do opposing teams have to focus their attention? People don't have answers to that right now, and that's been very public. I actually think that that benefits Florida's re- receivers, at least at the outset of the season, when when teams are forced to guess who's going to be the guy that we need to dedicate the most coverage to. To not have an answer to that is is beneficial to Florida. It, it, it will allow you know whether it's Pearsall or Whittemore or even shorter to you know be matched up with a weakness in coverage or the, or the third option in coverage. That is A significant development, I think, that is a a byproduct of the unknown and really of of Florida's addition of Ricky Pearsall. I think without him, it's quite clear uh, where the divisions lie in terms of who's better than who. Uh, Let's talk about the the rest of the room. And I know that that's broad, but, you know, Shorter and Pearsall, I think, fairly are getting the majority of the attention. There are plenty of other options, though, guys, like Whittemore. uh, Bowman is is somebody who you've mentioned. Uh, Caleb Douglas, the true freshman, uh, his name has come up quite a bit in terms of making him a, you know, kind of a deep threat only type player as a first year, as a first year guy. Uh, and there, and there are more Xavier Henderson, Jaquavian Frazier's who, who stands out to you from that group and, and, and who are guys that I think that you think uh, fans should be paying attention to.
1: Yeah. Dejon Reynolds is someone who I think not only had an impressive spring going into fall camp, he even got a larger opportunity there in the slot with what happened to Ricky Pearsall and, Anytime that that happens, it's hard to really, I think, get a sense of how much someone could be used when you get into the season. Is that a role that's going to continue once you get into the regular season games? And once Ricky is back, or are they going to continue to reward a guy who worked hard and has continued to elevate their game as a sign that you have to, if you do that, that we're going to play you? And I think that that is kind of in line with what Billy Napier has done since he got to campus. Play the guy who's going to work their tail off. And get in a position. And if they're not able to do that, then they're not going to play. It's not going to be a necessarily a by seniority type thing or familiarity. You have to play the guys who are working their way and are the best guys for you to play at any given time. And I think that Reynolds has done that throughout fall camp. Whether there's a role for him, I, I do think is a pressing question. Another guy is Marcus Burke. You know, he almost was <clears throat> no longer on this roster in June. And to see him come back and Work his way and continue to impress. I, I think that that's just been very impressive, and and you have to think they're going to find a way to get him on the field this season.
0: Sure, I I, I think we're going to jump into a little a little segment here in this episode that we haven't done in the previous ones, but this is such a uh, big and productive group that I think it, it it's more apt in this episode. Uh, let's do a little bit of predictions. I I'm going to ask you a couple questions here, and I want to get your responses with a couple. Uh, reasons why. And we're going to start with, I'm curious for your take on who will lead the room uh, in receiving yards and why.
1: Oh, that's a good question. You know, I, I think you have to go with Ricky just because of his deep threat ability, his breakaway speed, and I think his usage. I mean, this is a guy who is going to command, I think at least, at least 80 targets this season. That wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. You go back and look at his numbers. You look at the the offensive split. I mean, if, if you can end up commanding sixty plus targets in a billion year offense, I think that is really impressive and, and shows your talent level. Obviously, knowing that he's a run heavy coach, that he's gonna if he zeroes in on one receiver right like that, rather than you know dispersing the ball around, that would be pretty impressive in my mind. And maybe the ceiling for Pearsall, but knowing that he has that that breakaway speed can create separation and that Florida has a quarterback in Anthony Richardson who can throw it 70 yards down the field and they can take advantage of that stuff. I I think that Ricky has the best chance to do that. And even in short yardage situations, just what we've seen out of him from his footwork, his ability to come down with the catch on the sideline, if the ball is slightly off to adjust his body and recover, as long as he can stay healthy, in my mind, he's going to be Florida's leading receiver this season. Uh,
0: and you know what? I'm going to agree with you. I think Ricky Pearsall is in a really advantageous situation. I think that he, yes, is the new guy, uh, but I think he you know, made strides very quickly when he arrived on campus to impress both the, the players and the coaches in the building. Uh, I think he's proven that he's, like I said earlier in the show, I think that he's the kind of guy who uh, actually ends up playing quite well at this level. I think that this is probably where he belonged in the first place. Uh, I think that it's it's clear to me also that he is becoming, if is not already, the most trusted guy in the room, I think. I, I think that Anthony Richardson sees that uh, and, and all of that, plus you know the route running ability, the deep ball uh, ability, and also his ability to catch in, in traffic and fight through that for extra yards. All of those are, are factors as well that I think lead to uh, Ricky being the pick for receiving yards. Do, does Ricky lead in catches as well in your mind, or is there somebody else who does?
1: Oof. I, I mean, Justin Shorter had 41 receptions last year, and that's right around how many Pearsall had. So I really could see that being a toss up between those two. But Given Justin Shorter, if he is the number two wide receiver and if Ricky is consistently drawing a double team and commanding the attention of multiple defenders, I mean, if you have a guy who is six foot four as your as your number two wide receiver, I mean, I think you have to take advantage of that mismatch, mismatch going against a corner who maybe has trouble with the size and physicality that Justin Shorter possesses, that would be a really, I think, advantageous opportunity for him as well, because if he's not consistently facing the team's best opposing corner and he's able to take advantage of those, those potential mismatches, I think that can work wonders, not only for his confidence moving forward, but also what the team can do for Ricky. And so I I think that absolutely if Justin Shorter is the number two wide receiver, I could easily see a situation where he maybe doesn't have the yardage of Ricky, but he ends up leading the team in overall targets, if not receptions.
0: I like the point. I still will be going with Ricky Pearsall. I think that he, uh, my reasoning is actually quite simple. I think that in an offense where Billy Napier uh, has shown a tendency in the past, and we believe him to be in a position to continue doing so now, uh, run heavy guy he he's going to want to run the ball somewhere between 55 and 60, maybe even more than 60% of the time. This is going to be a, uh, a, an offense that will try and tear down at defenses inch by inch. Uh, we have seen that from him. Uh, but in those types of offenses, I think that there is also something to be said for run replacements, uh, pass plays that essentially act as, as, as runs due to the distance of the pass. Uh, Ricky Pearsall has shown in the past at Arizona State that he is a skilled player in screen game. So bubble screens worked very well for him. Uh, he also does a really good job of short routes beyond the line of the scrimmage. So, you know, uh, in slants, short outs, those, those are the kinds of things that I think he really excels at, in addition to being able to go run down a deep ball if he has to. Uh, and, and for that reason, I can see Billy Napier designing plays that are targeting him frequently uh and so yes do i agree that justin shorter might not get the best of an opposing team's coverage every single game 100 percent uh i think that the volume of passes that are going to go in ricky pearsall's direction by design are going to to put him ahead in that category uh we'll do a speed round as we're kind of up against the clock for this episode uh let's go with receiving touchdowns Give me a name and a, and a quick reason why.
1: Ooh, that's tough. Mm. Well, obviously I want to go with Ricky. I think that just his play potential and like you said, his usage is going to make him the ideal candidate. I wanted to kind of make a funny answer though and go with Jaquavion Frazier's just because he had what, two receiving touchdowns on five receptions last year. I mean, that's a pretty good ratio, my friend. 40% of your catches going for touchdowns. You'd like to think if you can uh, replicate that eh, with a high usage, that that would make you an extremely score-prone uh, type receiver. But I'm going to go with Ricky, just knowing how Florida plans on using him, the fact that he as well, you know, maybe this is cheating a little bit, but the fact that, as you mentioned, he's going to be used in some, some scenarios where he's lined up in the backfield or he's working on bubble screens and you know, in a short-yarded situation where they can have three guys go block for him lined up wide. That's a situation where I can see Florida feeding it to a guy like Ricky who can make guys miss and his agility. Let's, let's not mistake it and let's not get it mistaken. He has, I think, better footwork and is a more agile wide receiver than Justin Shorter. And that makes me think that they are going to use him in situations where they're not necessarily trying to take the top off the defense and and dial something up and, and go punch one in there from short. And that guy in my mind is Ricky. Fair
0: enough. I will go with. Oh, this is tough. I, okay, so I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give a, a, a. I'm gonna give three names, and I will briefly explain all of them. Oh, these, these are these are the contenders in my mind. I think Justin Shorter is the first one for me. Uh, taller guy who I think when Florida gets into the red zone uh, and feels the need to pass, that you're slightly more likely to target a six foot four guy than you are somebody who's six ish feet, six one. Uh, that. You know, Ricky Pearsall, as good as he might be, is I don't he doesn't have the height that Justin Shorter has, and I think that you know with Shorter's ability to go up and get a football, that is a big deal. So, Shorter one. Uh, You bring up a great point about Frazier's. I I think that there is something to be said for in a in an offense that will utilize play action and shot plays just due to the sheer amount that it runs the ball. Uh, A guy who can effectively go deep and go get something. Uh, and use their speed is really important. So he, uh, Xavier Henderson is another guy who I think falls into the same category. Uh, just good speed, burn down the field, kind of a situation, and 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 go get a ball uh, on a shot play. So those are my those are my three uh, touchdown guys, and I will let the listeners decide uh, who they think will lead the team in those three categories: receiving yards, receptions, and receiving touchdowns. And you know what? We haven't even said this on the show before, Graham, but we're going to do it for the first time. Drop a comment if you're listening uh, to the Swamp 247 podcast on YouTube. We would love to hear uh, who people think will lead the, the Gators in those categories. So let us know. Uh, we do read what you have to say. And, uh, yeah, we, we, we look forward to seeing some responses. Graham, I think that might do it uh, for this episode, though, of the Swamp 247 podcast. We talked about Florida's wide receivers as a part of our uh, position preview series. Again, we've done quarterback, running back, tight end, offensive line, special teams, and you're listening to the wideouts now. All of those episodes, of course, are on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you might get your audio-only content. Uh, Yeah, so thank you so much for listening. Got a couple more of these to go. Make sure you tune in. Uh, Also, make sure you're, you're keeping an eye out for our Season Predictions podcast where we go through and do a little more of what we just did right there with the wide receivers Uh, Spend a little bit of time breaking down what we think the guys will do. Uh, And then we will have a Utah-specific preview podcast later on this week Uh, and many, many written pieces of content over on swamp247.com. But that'll do it for this episode. My name is Jacob Rudner
1: for Graham Hall. Uh, Wishing you a good one. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time.